This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com So I want to speak about tonight the amazing the amazing life of Rabbi Baruch Toledano Zecher Tzadik Livracha and the truth is even though it's not his Hilula right now, but I recently learned a lot about his life from Hagaon Tzadik Rabbi Avraham Amar, who uh, who I had the privilege of knowing. Uh, he needs a refuah shilema, and he was very close to Rabbi Baruch Toledano, who was his uncle. Who was his uncle, and he he would stay with him for many years. Uh, he was very close to him, and he was very close in general to the different times and gdolim that there were in the city of Meknes, which is where Rabbi Baruch Toledano came from. And there are so many lessons that we could learn from Rabbi Baruch. So many amazing lessons. I decided that I wanted to share some of this unbelievable wisdom, and it's going to give us a glimpse about the times and the challenges that Rabbi Baruch went through. It's going to give us a perspective on his personality, and really so many things that we could learn from. Before I start, I want to say that one thing that particularly stood out by Hagaon HaTzadik Rabbi Baruch Toledano was his tremendous balance between being firm and strong when he had to, and having such a soft and warm heart. And we're going to see different stories how this played itself out. So let's start from the beginning that Rabbi Baruch Toledano was born to his father, Rabbi Yaakov Toledano. And he, was, he grew up with his best friend at the time, Rabbi Yosef Misas. Him and Rabbi Yosef Misas were very good friends. The opposites in character, but they were they were very close friends. They say when Rabbi Baruch was very young, he was uh, he was lying in bed, very sick, and he was uh, he he was he was groaning in pain. And Rabbi Yosef Misas came to visit him and tried to calm him down. All of a sudden, his father, Rabbi Baruch's father, appeared, and Rabbi Baruch pretended there was nothing wrong. As soon as his father left, he continued. Uh, being in pain, but he didn't want to show his father how how much in pain he was. That was just his. Already when he was young, he had he had he had a tremendous yirat uh, kavod uh, of his father and in and 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 digduk in his mitzvot. As a matter of fact, one time his father was in a din Torah, and as it usually happens in din Torah, the other side's not happy, and that other side started to uh, curse and insult. Rabbi Baruch's father, uh, Rabbi Baruch, although he was bar mitzvah age, he he uh, he gave strong musr to that person, and and his father got upset at him for giving strong musr to that person. So he he was fasting in order to be mechaper as Nobody knew this, so they found out afterward that he he fasted in order not to. Uh, so at young age already, he had he had tremendous qualities. His his um, 
His Rabbanim, he had one Rav which was Rabbi Chaim Berdugo, uh, who was also the, the Rav of Rabbi Tzchak Sabag and Rabbi Mordechai Amar, the father of Rabbi Avram Amar. And he, uh, Rabbi Chaim Berdugo, was, uh, was, um, was uh, uh, taught them Torah without any, he didn't have any official position, but that's how it was. He taught, the, he taught them Shas and Poskim. But one of the Rabbanim that had the most influence on Rabbi Baruch was Rabbi Chaim Misas. Rabbi Chaim Misas was the father of Rabbi Yosef Misas. Rabbi Chaim Misas was like fire. In other words, anybody who saw a picture of Rabbi Yosef Misas, you can imagine the father looked the same way with red, with white beard, and he would come every single day to their yeshiva, and he would give a sikhat musar every day. He would give he would give words of musar every day, and Rabbi Baruch absorbed all of that. Not only that, they they would they 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 would say tikkun chatzot every single every single morning, every single night, like the minhag of uh, how it used to be that everyone would say tikkun chatzot. And Rav Vosner, one of the gedolei ador in Bnei Brak, Rav Shmuel Vosner remembers Rabbi Baruch in his in his older age, when he was in Bnei Brak, he would always talk about how he would pass by, he was neighbors with Rabbi Baruch, he would always hear him, Tikkun Chatzot, crying in Tikkun Chatzot, that always stayed with him, that was it from a young age, already from Rabbi Chaim Misas. As Rabbi Baruch grew, uh, 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 grew, grew older into, uh, and, and he grew into a Gadol Torah, and in the capacity of, of Bedin eventually, of Meknes, we're going to learn about different challenges he had um, throughout this journey and how he dealt with it. He learned from a Rav that moved to Meknes called Rav Zev Halpern, who came originally from Russia and uh, he was later on in London. He was a big Talmud Chacham and a very smart person. And he came to Morocco in order to be Mechazek the city. He actually started the first official kollel in Morocco. I once said this by a, by a, a Sephardi kollel banquet in Toronto that this was really the first kollel system that there was in Morocco uh, uh, a good uh, a good hundred years ago. Tafrish Ein Bet. That's uh, that's more than a hundred years ago, and 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 that's and and they started already learning in a night kollel that they would learn nashim uh, nizikin. And from Rav Zev Halper and Rabbi Baruch learned how to run and 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 build Torah. From it, that's that's what that, that's what he writes. That he really saw how he how he 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 gave more chashivut, how he gave more importance kavoda Torah. Because you have to remember, it was starting to become a very very sensitive time where there was the old and the new people were becoming more modern. And the Talmidei Chachamim were kept to their own derech, but many people started looking at it as outdated. So Rabbi Baruch started infusing, based on the, his, his learning from Rav Zev Halpern, giving Kavoda Torah and making the, the presence of the Talmidei Chachamim in a much more dignified manner that, 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 that in turn people respected much more. Now, what happened was, was during that time, the Alliance came to Morocco. Kol Yisrael Chaverim. Now what was the challenge of the Alliance? On one hand, there was tremendous poverty by the Jews in Morocco. The Alliance came and they set up, in many Sephardi countries, and Morocco is one of them, they set up schools 
that a person could get a diploma, he could eventually go to Paris and get a doctorate, and he could become a big doctor, and that was, that was a big prestige, and make a much better Paranasa. And it was, it was clear that it would come with great compromise to Ruchaniyut, to spirituality. The people in the Alliance weren't necessarily promoting, uh, promoting the same values that the Talmidei Chachamim were giving, and there was a clash. So, the first place that led in the Alliance was the city of Fez. The city of Fez was known then as the great city that had tremendous Rabbanim, Gdole Torah, Yirah for generations, the Bendenan, Monsonego. Uh, 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 families, the Tsarfati families. And when they led in the alliance, it was kind of an has, a haskama, it was kind of, a, of, an, a, of, of a, a seal of approval that it was okay. And that was a big mistake. That was a big mistake. Because of that, uh, there was a tremendous, a tremendous dirdur, a tremendous uh, uh, decline in in spirituality, and especially Meknes held back. Meknes was able to push away the Alliance and not let them influence the city. But eventually, when people saw that the people of Fez are starting to become richer and making a better Paranasa, and the people of Meknes were left behind, they had to cave into the pressure as well. And eventually, uh, Alliance came in there as well. And obviously, there were advantages that people got out of the poverty, but on the other hand, it came at a great price. It came at a great price. So this is the this is the the era and the backdrop where Rabbi Baruch and what he had to deal with. Very unique challenges. What did he do? The first thing that he did is that he went to the heads of the city and he convinced them that they have to make a yeshiva, but not a not a small cheder. It has to be as big and as impressive. As the alliance, so he 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 got everybody to donate. He was the first who donated a very big amount of money, and everybody followed through because he donated. They donated as well, and that's when they started building a very big yeshiva. He made sure to appoint top-notch talmidei chachamim to run the school, and the principal of that school was none other than Rabbi Shalom Misas. Rabbi Shalom Misas, who later became one of the great luminaries of Sephardic Jewry, the chief rabbi of Morocco, and then the chief rabbi of Yerushalayim, was the minahel, was the, was the, was the head of, of that school. And Rabbi Baruch made sure to have top-notch teachers to be run in a very professional manner in order to be able to compete with Kol Yisrael Chavirim. And with that, he was able to get a lot of the leaders of the community on board. And they were able to, and they were able to run the school and really succeed in bringing up a generation that were very strong in Torah. Uh, sometimes there were clashes. For example, they wanted to the board for fundraising events. This is going to sound familiar. They wanted to make a mixed dancing event in the courtyard of the school. <laughs> Things don't change, huh? <laughs> and and Rabbi Baruch, when he heard this, he went crazy. And he said, well, how, how could it be? But he knew, this is his tremendous wisdom, he knew that he's going to come out with fire and brimstone. They're not really going to listen to him. 
So what did he do? Strategically, he went to the chief rabbi of the city, Rabbi Yeshua Berdugo. Rabbi Yeshua Berdugo was a big koach, very powerful. He had to convince him. Especially, it seems like the relatives of Rabbi Yeshua Berdugo were the ones who were running this event. So he goes, you know, he tells this to Rabbi Yeshua, you're the rabbi, it's your responsibility, you've got to do something. He pressed the right buttons. Rabbi Yeshua Berdugo got really upset. He called in his relative. He gave it him over the head. Got rid of that issue. Next, he saw that nearby there was a city in Ujda that didn't have a proper Talmud Torah. That didn't have a, uh, that didn't have a proper Talmud Torah. He traveled by train, fasted the whole day. And he was, not only that, he had a cold. He was sick. He got there. They saw that he got there and that he had tremendous you know, difficulty in getting there. Not only that, there was no room on the train. He had to sit on the steps of the train. And, and once he got to Ujda, he was so tired, he, 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 he didn't have strength. But he got up and he was Doresh. He gave it to them over the head how they had to have a Talmud Torah. They, they mamash didn't have a, a school. They wanted him to sit down and eat. He said, I'm not eating until we decide what I came here for. He's, they, they told him, listen, everyone's moving to Israel. It's not the time now. We can't do it. When they told him that they can't do it, what do you think Rabbi Baruch did? He sat down and he started crying like a baby. He sat down and he started crying like a baby. He told him, why are you crying? Listen to what he answered. He said, it says in Chazal, it says in the Hachamim that somebody who has Yirat Shamaim, his words are heard. I came all the way here. I did my Mesirut Nefesh. I spoke. And you didn't hear. Obviously, I don't have Yirat Shamaim. They were so touched by that that they opened up the school. They collected the money. They opened up the school. Talmidim from, uh, from the yeshiva in Tangier came and they taught in that school. And eventually they also started a school like that in Wazan and, and in other places as well. Just to show, he, he was so concerned about opening it, opening Mikomot Shel Torah. That was his primary concern. He didn't sit in his corner and not care about what was going on. He was just so dedicated to make sure that things happen. And we're going to see more stories in this regard. Rabbi Baruch saw that people are growing in, 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 uh, in, in his Talmud Torah, but afterwards they graduate and there's no place to absorb them. Sometimes they go away and sometimes they don't. That's when he started to open up a yeshiva called Keter Torah, which basically he brought people from the yeshiva that there wasn't Tangier at the time and he, and he, uh, he, 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 he made sure that there was a proper yeshiva. That's a, st- a whole story on itself. Actually, one of my relatives was the Rosh Yeshiva at the time. And he was, uh, he, he's actually, he lives in Benebrak now. And he, he ran that yeshiva for, uh, for, for a good amount of time. And, uh, until, until basically the, everybody of Meknes moved out and they went to Eretz Israel, he made sure that there was a yeshiva there. Now, during this time, you could understand it was a turbulent time. People were struggling with uh, the modern wave that there was in the world against the against the 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 the, the true Torah values that they grew up with, and there were many people that 
started slipping. So Rabbi Baruch wasn't one that minced words. <laughs> when he saw that things weren't what they were supposed to be, it didn't matter where he was. It didn't matter who was around. He spoke. <laughs> there was, they know, it's known that when he went to the yeshiva in Gateshead, where his sons learned, and he saw that people were learning during Hazarat Ashatz, he got, he, after tefillah, he banged on the bimya and he gave it to them over the head. <laughs> and he writes about it in Kitsur Shulchan Aruch, how he sees, he even plays it, Talmud Chachamim, speak during Chazarat Ashatz, or, or they learn during Chazarat Ashatz. And actually, that, that's their tradition. And Gates said, the Rosh Hashiva there, that's his tradition to, to learn during Chazarat Ashatz, believe it or not. Rabbi Baruch didn't care. He just went all out. He saw that once he was praying, towards the end of his life in Benibrak, in the synagogue of Letterman. Letterman is where the stipler would pray. That's where Chaim Kanievsky prays till today. And he saw that once that they weren't answering uh, Amen. They were just like spacing out some of them. They weren't answering Amen properly. After Tefillah, he got up on a bench and he started yelling at everyone. <laughs> He's, Why are you not answering Amen? Afterwards, uh, you know, the, the grandchildren told him, you know, why, why do you have to get up on a bench? It's kind of like, you know, it's not your, it's not according to your dignity. Rabbi Baruch says you should know. I thought about it, and it says in the Gemara that something that people look funny, it actually, they remember better. If it looks like the, the person did something weird, they'll remember it. So I did something a little bit funny. I stood on the, the on the, on the, uh, on the bench and I started yelling. That way people will remember more. What do I care? I did it for Hashem. That was Rabbi Baruch. He was pure Lashem Shamaim, and when he had to speak, he spoke. But in the city of Meknes, there were people who started opening up their, their, uh, their businesses on Shabbat. And he would go from door to door and he would beg them to close. And a lot of people, they would say, yeah, 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 we're going to close. They closed. And then in back, they would, uh, they, would, they would continue their barber shop or whatever else. So you have to remember the Dayanim in Morocco had official powers. They had police powers. They could arrest people. They could tell the police to arrest them because they are violating... Uh, the law, the Torah law, that the Jews have to follow the Torah law. So Rabbi Baruch did that. <laughs> he put people in jail. He, he said, you know, there's a system over here. Put people in jail. But listen, listen to this. He put the person in jail and then he went to the, for Shabbat, that person had to be in jail for Shabbat because they, they, they worked on Shabbat and they weren't allowed. Then he went to the family of the people that he put in jail and he brought them all to his house and made sure that they ate and drank the whole Shabbat and gave them a whole Shabbat experience because the father's not around. Why? He had to go to jail. Nothing personal. I had to do it. That was Rabbi Baruch's strength and tremendous heart at play. It's, it's an amazing story. Um, another, another story. This is, uh, you know, not everyone's going to stomach this one, but I'll say it anyways, that there, there was a person who, God forbid, his wife died in childbirth when she gave birth to twins. And the twins afterwards died as well. You can imagine the father. The, far, the father was all broken. And he didn't know he didn't know how to react to the tragedy. This is a story you have to understand the depth of it. Rabbi Baruch got there and started crying. It was actually 
family member of his. He started crying and he told them, I know why your child, why the children died and I know why, 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 uh, why your wife died. It's a Gemara. Gemara says that if a person says, I'm going to make a neder, and I'm going to, and I'm going to make a neder, and a person makes a neder and he doesn't keep it, the children could die. And I know that you made a neder, that you're going to send your child to yeshiva. And you took him out of yeshiva. But when you did that neder of sending him to yeshiva, you said you promise he's going to be a ben Torah. And you took him out of being a ben Torah. It says, And he started crying together with the father. The, the amount of sensitivity that Rabbi Baruch had, and he had such a warm heart that he cried together with that relative, showed that he, it was so hard for him to say it, but on the other hand, he wanted to he wanted to get that message across to the person, and only somebody who has tremendous yirat shemaim and honesty and and means something to Shem shemaim is able to say something like that. Another story that a swimming pool opened up in the city of Meknes, and the leaders of the city said the Muslims will have it on Friday. The Jews will have it on Shabbat and the Christians will have it on Sunday. So the non-religious faction of the city of Meknes was very happy. They're able to have it on Shabbat, able to relax on Shabbat. What's the problem? Big deal. Everybody's starting to be Mechalel Shabbat anyways. No big deal. Rabbi Baruch couldn't take it. But what did he do? He wrote a whole letter to the head of the city. You have to understand. Half of the letter was only praise. Only praise to the head of the city. You are the best and you, you do amazing things and you're, 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 you're the best there ever was, etc. And then he says, but you have to understand, we're not going to benefit, be able to benefit for your tremendous kindness because we keep Torah. There's nothing that we could do about it. Please reconsider on moving it during uh, on, on moving it during uh, to one of the days of the week. The head of the kihila heard this. He said, "What does that mean? Of course, we should have it on Shabbat." He he used to lock horns very often with Rabbi Baruch. The head of the city took the letter, and I, I'm sorry. And so the the head of the uh, Jewish community came to the head of the city, and the head of the city says the, the leader of the, the general of the city, the non-Jewish general, the non-Jewish mayor, however you want to call him, took the letter and read it out. He said, what do you mean? Your rabbi says that you're not allowed. I'm switching it during the day of the week. The guy started complaining. No, it's perfect for us. We're off from work. It works well. The head of the city, I don't understand. You're contradicting. Get out of here. Rabbi Baruch gained from here. Not only did they... Not have it on Shabbat, but they'd have it during the week. During the week, nobody came anyways, so there wasn't mixed swimming between men and women. So he got he he, he got a double he got a double victory over here. This is this is uh, this was a lot of his challenges that he had during that time, and then came the final challenge that there was in the city of Meknes, and that was the uh, the the secular Zionist movement movement convincing people to move to Eretz Israel.
and who is who is a, no, there are no bigger Zionists than Talmidei Chachamim. Tzion is something that's on the mind of every single Talmid Chacham, and a Talmid Chacham like Rabbi Baruch who would be crying about Eretz Yisrael and Tzion every day. But he saw that the people that were coming were taking them to become less religious, and he understood what was going on, that a lot of them were coming from communist backgrounds, and their agenda was that they should leave their religion and come to Eretz Yisrael. And he had to warn people. There was the good Aliyah, places where they went to places that were Shomre Torah Mitzvot, and there were places that they would put them on kibbutzim with no Torah whatsoever. So there was one time, one of the, one of the we'll call it secular, uh, secular Zionists that came was convincing people to go to Eretz Yisrael, and they wanted to speak no less in Rabbi Baruch Shul, and he said, no problem. He, everyone gathered in there, and he spoke. Right after he spoke, Rabbi Baruch got up and he said, you should know, this guy is a weasel and he is convincing you to go to Eretz Yisrael but to leave your religion and you should know what this is, what's, what's at stake over here. You could only go and do a proper aliyah, an aliyah where you're going to be Torah mitzvot and not the opposite. And there were places for Miknes. For example, they went to Tiveria that, that there was a proper yeshuv and a lot of them ended up in Haifa. We'll see that in a moment. And, uh, and they tried to keep some type of structure. But there was a, a, a big faction of people that were that were that were coming and bringing a lot of people that from were from Morocco and sending them into secular places, really, really making them lose a lot of their a lot of their uh, a lot of their masoret. And here it was something very interesting because most chachamim in Morocco didn't do anything about this. And one of the only ones was Rabbi Baruch, together with uh, Rabbi Mordechai Amar. Uh, 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 they would go to, they would go to, they went to the chief rabbi of, of Morocco at the time, which is Rabbi Shaul Ibn Dinan. They wrote him a whole letter. He didn't get involved. I, he, I guess he was in an official capacity of the Beddin, but he didn't get involved. They wrote to every single Rav in Morocco and send letters. That's what they were busy with, to, to warn them about the Aliyah or not. Not only that, they wrote a letter to David Ben Gurion. <laughs> to David Ben Gurion. They write, "Lichvod nesienu nagidu mitzavelanu mar David ben Gurion rosh lebet Yisrael." They knew that even though Ben Gurion was no uh, lover of uh, of of religious yishuvim, but they thought that they could appeal to him that people that that people are getting tricked of going to somewhere where 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 that's not the case. I think that they 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 knew where what David ben Gurion's position was, but they thought that showing their displeasure somehow will influence him. And they say, we're here to complain. I'm sure that you wouldn't let this uh, allow that people are taking, uh, that people are coming and they're taking away Moroccan Jewry away from their roots. We hope that you could stop this. Nobody knows really what happened, but definitely uh, uh, they, they made people more aware of the situation. Eventually, everybody moved to, 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 uh, out of, out of Meknes. Meknes, not a lot of people stayed. So Rabbi Baruch also moved. And he moved to the city of Haifa. Here there's an amazing story. He moved to the city of Haifa, and his first thing, and his dream, was that he wanted to start a yeshiva there. Uh, he got to Haifa, eventually, Bikesh Yaakov Leshev Bishalva. He doesn't have to fight with, uh, all of the, uh, all of the community issues he had in Morocco. He could just teach Torah over here. He made a deal with the mayor of the city because there was a lot of people from Meknes that were in Haifa at the time. 
that they're going to give him a whole campus. The only condition is, is that the campus has to be owned by the city, even though he could run his school, but they have the final say. Dream come true for him, big deal. You know, they're giving him the property, but he could run it the way he wants. Rabbi Baruch's children were learning at the time in the yeshiva of Panovich by Rav Shach. And he asked them to ask Rav Shach, what should he do? Should he, should he take the offer? Rav Shach told him, absolutely not. Absolutely not. If you're going to give control to the secular faction, they are going to run things eventually according to their agenda and they're going to have you in their hand and, it, and, it's not, and it's not worth it. You can't work with them. Now, Rav Shach was coming from Europe with experience dealing with, we'll call it his kinsmen. Rabbi Baruch didn't have experience with them. And he found it hard to swallow. So he traveled from Haifa to Bnei Brak to speak to Rav Shach and tell him, listen, you know, this is my dream. I want to do this. Rav Shach spoke to him for a long time. Rabbi Baruch said, I'm listening to Rav Shach. I'm not opening up the yeshiva. He shelved his dream because of Da'at Torah, listening to, listening to Rav Shach on this. And uh, the result is that every single one of his children and grandchildren opened up major yeshivot based on Taharat HaKodesh all over Eretz Yisrael and France. And, uh, and it was known that, that it's probably they, the Toledanos have the biggest influence in Sephardic yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael today. Just to mention a few of them besides Or Baruch, which was right after he died, there was Zohar Torah, She'erit Yosef, uh, Chazon Baruch, thousands and thousands of students that even though Rabbi Baruch didn't open up his yeshiva in Haifa, but because of him, most of the Sephardic yeshivot in Eretz Yisrael, I don't know, most or, or a, a strong percentage of them were under his influence. That's just an amazing, uh, an amazing point to think about. A few more points, Rabbi Rabbi Baruch had a tremendous heart in giving tzedakah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, his salary that he got from the government was known, it would always come on a certain day of the month. There would always be a line outside of poor people outside of the Ben Knesset on the day that he got his paycheck because he would keep only a third of it and two-thirds he would give away to the poor. <laughs> Imagine on the day of your paycheck that you get your paycheck, you have a line outside waiting for your paycheck. That's what he did. His Achnasat Orchim was something that he would spare no effort. There was this Ger Tzedek that used to come to him. He used to treat the convert, a Ger Tzedek, a convert with such kavod, with such love. He couldn't believe that somebody is, 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 is midgayer l'shem shamayim. He would put him on a pedestal and he would just honor him to, to no, to no end. He was also very instrumental in printing old Sfarim that were never able to be printed before. He printed the Sefer Choku Mishpat Rabbi Chaim Toledano, Shamaim Chadashim Rabbi Moshe Toledano, great, great, great Sfarim uh, that he printed. Chachmei Fez Rabbi Yudah Ben Atar was also something that he printed. As a matter of fact, when he printed it and a lot of people bought it, he took all of the proceeds, he went to Fez, found some of the 
um, descendants of Rabbi Yudah bin Atar, El Kabir, the great Rabbi Yudah bin Atar, and he gave them the money because he didn't want to benefit from it. We spoke about his Avodat Tefillah. He would, every time he would pray, he would come to tears. And one time, he came out of Tefillah after he finished praying and he shed tears and he told Rabbi Avram Amar, he says, I'm very happy this time I prayed properly, I was able to cry. So Rabbi Avram Amar asked, asked him, I don't understand, Saba, you always cry. So he says, what do you think, I cry easily? I, I work on it every time. Tefillah is something that requires constant effort. It's not like you think it comes naturally. You have to work on it every time. I remember hearing a story that Rabbi Baruch's son, Rabbi Yaakov Toledano, was very sick in France. And, and the Mashgiach from Gateshead, Rav Matetiao Solomon, now is the Mashgiach of Lakewood, came to visit him. And Rabbi Yaakov told him, my hope and my dream is that I'm able to concentrate on every single word in Tefillah once in my life. And a few days later, Rabbi Matityo came to visit him. Rabbi Yaakov told him, I was able to do it. And he was, uh, he was all happy. He was able to do it. Ah, Rabbi Baruch. I hope that we're getting the appreciation of Rabbi Baruch. I wouldn't, uh, you know, there's so much to speak about. I'm going to finish up very soon. Um, when he was in Eretz Yisrael, he didn't rest at all. He saw that his dream in Haifa didn't work out. He moved to Bnei Brak because he felt that that's where there's the most Torah and the most Yirat Shamaim, and he could just sit and learn. And that's when he wrote this Kitzur Shulchan Aruch. He saw that nobody had, the Sfaradim didn't have a Sefer Halakha that they could learn from. He sat, he wrote his Kitzur Shulchan Aruch that is used till today by many. I have it on my desk and I use it all the time. And it's, it's concise, it's largely based on the Kafachaim, but he adds in a lot of times Minhagim and other uh, important details. He just recently about uh, a controversy about electricity on Yom Tov. He speaks here and there. You have to, uh, there's just his Teshuvot just got printed. I don't even have a copy yet, but I heard that his Teshuvot were printed in Eretz, in, in, uh, in Eretz Yisrael. I'm trying to get a copy. Uh, furthermore, but when he was in Eretz Yisrael, people would ask him all the time to go from place to place to be Doresh. And he would hop around like a Shabbaton. He would go from one Shabbat in this kibbutz where there were, wherever there was people that wanted him to come, he went and he was Misamer. The whole Shabbat, he gave them Drashot and, and, he, and, he, and he inspired everyone. This is a few tidbits of the life, uh, life of Rabbi Baruch. I didn't do justice to this great, great Sadiq. But just to understand that he was one that had such strength and such a strong heart. And when he had to, and when he had to give Musad, he didn't hold back. It didn't matter if he was in a place where there was tremendous Tamidei Chachamim like Letterman and Bnei Brak, or he was a place where there were Mechalili Shabbat. He said what he had to say. But on the other hand, people knew it came from tremendous love. And he cared so much about everyone. He had to live the live, a, a heart of just pouring out to poor people and to guests and to converts and to whoever else he could help out. He built yeshivot, he built Torah, and even though he himself at the end didn't build Torah, it was based on a purity of heart, knowing that when once somebody has to build Torah, it has to be pure with no outside influences, which is why it's hit because of his influence, he is one of the unique Talmudic Chachamim from Morocco that almost all, I don't, I don't know every single, but the whole family trees of Toledano are some of the greatest Marbitzit Torah that we have, and it comes from his pure heart and his pure love of Torah. Yehi Ratzon, that uh, he should be a schut, and we should learn from these Chachamim, 
and, uh, and, and be able to be inspired by them. Amen. Chazaku Baruch. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.